Research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view, this is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C. Seated next to me is the co-host of the program, Eric Eggers. Eric, how are you? I'm excellent, Peter. How are you? I'm doing well, and I'm wondering, have you ever had a financial shutdown at the Eggers house. Every time we get a bill at the restaurant, <laughs> without fail. Well, it, it, if, if the bill's seen by two people, then absolutely. It's shutdown time. It's negotiation. We're going to workshop. And then like, okay, what are we taking out of the budget to be able to afford this meal? Right. So it, it, is, a, it is a negotiation. Well, they've been negotiating in Washington, D.C. and have averted, at least temporarily, a financial shutdown. Everything is going to get funded, apparently, except for Ukraine aid, which is uh, still being discussed and negotiated. Um, and this, I think, offers us an opportunity to take a look at one of the things that our federal government is spending huge sums of money on. We talked last week about Ukraine aid and about Penny Pritzker and the cronyism uh, that is involved there. But now we're going to shift on this cash cow that a lot of people aren't aware of. When people think of shutdowns, they think that, you know, soldiers aren't going to pay, get paid. Border patrol agents aren't going to get paid. But in this particular case, we do know that whether we have a shutdown or not, billionaire investors are going to get paid because of this program that is being run by one John Podesta. Yeah, I think it's actually useful to consider what we're about to talk about, which is this green energy investment and, and this relatively newly stood up slush fund that <laughs> that is going to uh, who knows where right yeah. and that's and that's not just us saying it that's like inspectors generals saying it but you know ukraine investment two years ago oh man blue and yellow ribbons everyone's like oh we're staying with the people this is the best thing we can do we're fighting russia and now as time's gone on and we've now as we talked about last week we see well wait what are we actually spending money on in ukraine and what are we actually we're, wait we're paying for their pension programs we're paying for their first responders we're finding clients for Ukrainian niche shops like tax dollars are doing that. And we have things to take care of here as well. And I think the American people are waking up and wising up. And so I think this green energy investment fund is similar because on on the one hand, it's like, hey, does it make sense to have cleaner energy? Does it make sense to have a more modern utility infrastructure that helps prevent destruction from storms and things? It's more resilient. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think much like Ukraine, uh, the main purpose of it actually seems to be not what the feel good piece of it is. And it might be because it's actually people are going to make money off it. They don't really care whether it actually benefits the people it's supposed to. Yeah. But I mean, wait a minute, Eric. I mean, certainly when they set this up, this program up to send out billions of dollars for green energy for infrastructure, you know, they picked an engineer, they picked a <laughs> scientist, they picked, a, picked an expert, right, to dole out this cash, an expert in green technology. Well, I guess it depends on what you mean by engineer. Uh, <laughs> and so like, so they have John Podesta, as you noted, and this is a guy that we're very familiar with here at the Government Accountability Institute. He has been uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign manager. He has run a liberal think tank known as the Center for American Progress, and they have their own unique ties to green energy technology and people that want to make money 
off of green energy. Uh, but he is absolutely not a scientist, right? Yeah, you, like to me, like, hey, who's in charge of making sure the money we spend to help greenify America? You think of guy like a guy in like a tweed jacket, he's riding his bike to work, you know, right? You know, he's like drinking tea and doing all kinds of granola things. He right. takes his shoes off and right. just like walks around. Right. Like that's what you're thinking about. This guy is an operator. And yeah. that's why I think the Penny Pritzker Ukraine similarities are very valid because this is somebody who knows how to get things done in Washington, D.C. And by get things done, I mean pay off the people who have supported him previously. I mean, this is a guy, as we've discussed in, in previous work, this is a guy that's literally taken money from Vladimir Putin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so exactly right. And let's talk about John Podesta for a little bit. You're right. He's not an engineer. He's a lawyer. He's not a green tech person, but he knows green as in cash and money. And he knows how to engineer the movement of money uh, to favorable political figures. And we don't say that loosely. You just have to look at his history. He served in the Obama administration. And when he served in the Obama administration, by the way, his net worth was at a cap of, uh, you know, his, his net worth was estimated between four and nine million dollars. Right. And what is it now? It's up to twenty eight million dollars. And he spent most of most of this time in political and government service. Right. It's not like he went out and started some new green energy company. Right. No, he starts think tanks. Yeah. He starts. Think which, tanks. You know, I'm not saying you're falling behind. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he hooks up. Uh, private investors that are in the green energy sphere, something like that, with government grants. And so he helped do this during the Obama administration, right? He was a, a counselor to uh, President Obama. One of his responsibilities was dealing with climate change and and uh, green energy issues. Uh, as we've talked about before, during the Obama administration, they doled out tens of billions of dollars in cash, eight out of ten dollars in the Obama administration, went to companies where the main investor had been a member of the finance committee of the Obama campaign. Which is insane. It's recycling, right? It's right. They put money into the Obama campaign. They take tax bail dollars and put it back. But it, I think that's where, you know, it's it's challenging to have conversations because on, on one level, like, is the climate changing? Sure. Are we seeing maybe more hurricanes now? Are we seeing more severe weather? No. You don't think so? No, okay, I don't okay. think so. Well, e- Maybe we aren't. Maybe we yep. are. But I guess what I'm saying is, if you even if you stipulate that we are, yeah, then it's like okay, then we should legitimately and exactly. genuinely do something about it, right? And that is to say, invest in things that show promise right. and we that have actual potential to improve or mitigate these conditions. But instead, I think they hold out the idea that everyone like the Ukraine war. It's this idea that we feel good about. And then they use that idea to then pay all the people that need to be paid. And that's exactly what's happening right now. And it's like, they're not even being shy about it. And people say, we have so much money to give away. We don't know how to do it. And we're not going to kind of keep track of it. And that's basically what's been documented here. Yeah, no, that's right. And what did they say about the gold rush, the American gold rush? It wasn't. I don't know. I wasn't around. (laughs) Well, actually, tell me about it. I read this this subject called history. You can actually read books. (laughs) I know about the 49ers. Is that the same thing? (laughs) Well, in the American gold rush, what they said is the people that really made money were not the people that actually went to find gold. It was the people that equipped the gold miners, right? The guy that sold the pans that, you know, sold the mule that took them out in the middle of nowhere with the promise of gold. And what I would say it, with green energy, it's the same thing. It's it's not the promise. It's the cronyism or it is the equipping of this. And all you have to do is look at John Podesta himself. He sat on the board of an energy company called Jewel Energy uh, based in Boston, Massachusetts, um, never created a green technology. But what they did do was take in $35 million of green money 
not U.S. dollars, $35 million in rubles that came from an investment fund called Rus Nano, which is called Putin's baby or Putin's child. It's a sovereign wealth fund of the Russian government. So you had a guy, John Podesta, in, in you know, 2013, 2014 on the board of this entity taking money from Vladimir Putin with a promise of green energy, which, of course, the company never disclosed, but they got a lot of Russian money. And this is the kind of cronyism that flows both ways with him uh, and why it's really hard to see this anything other than just a sham. I'd like to point out that while I may not read a ton of history, I did watch Deadwood and I feel like it's basically the same thing. But but I would say this, too. And so the Vladimir Putin point is relevant in this regard. So what does it mean that John Podesta, in the name of green energy, took money from somebody who would become a major geopolitical rival? By the way, somebody who's actions in terms of evading Ukraine is also now costing us billions of dollars, right? Right. In in the name of energy, specifically. So there's that. So he's got this track record of being willing to do business or do things that benefit people that aren't necessarily good for America. Right. And that's where I think it's particularly relevant to the green energy stuff now, because from uh, the Wall Street Journal, so they're investing $170 million in grants. They announced this last week. It's part of a $2.3 billion plan, which was announced in 2021 when they passed the uh, infrastructure law. And so they've passed out like 750 million grants so far. But this is the quote to pay attention to because there's a financial piece to it, mm-hmm. but there's also an ideological piece to it. But the ideological piece is also like not good for us yeah. because the administration, the Biden administration, sees strengthening this electric grid, right? It, the utility grid is crucial to getting Americans to adopt greener alternatives such as electric vehicles that rely on the network, especially as harsher weather conditions from global warming make utilities more vulnerable. And so uh, they see this as a, encouraging a shift away from coal and natural gas. So that the second part's not new. The Biden's been trying to incentivize people to get away from coal and natural gas for a long time. But when you hear that we're now spending billions of dollars to try to incentivize people to adopt more electric vehicles, what does that make you think about? Makes me think about China. And this is a huge, huge, huge win for China. And John Podesta admits this, by the way. He says, yes, China is going to be a big part of America becoming green. So that's so correct. Like, and, and not just saying it like <laughs> At today. least he's honest about no, it, right? Not just today, has right. been saying it for 10 plus years. That's right. So I think that's really the key thing. You got this. I mean, when he was appointed to be the green energy advisor, China Hawks were like, wait, that guy? Like, you know, Charlie China is now right. in charge of doling out all Charlie the money. Charlie China, I like that. Hey, it's trademark, you know, <laughs> so it's, and it's not going to get me canceled. I think you know <laughs> we could have gone a different way. We stay. I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but but to the point of it, right? Like, uh, so this is a guy who has been for years yeah. uh, saying China has a big role to play in energy investment. He's also been unabashedly, you know, sort of apologetic. Uh, Center for American Progress has been a huge ally. They've worked with the China U.S. Exchange Foundation, Center for American Progress, John Podesta Think Tank, issued a 2017 report that said Beijing, this is in 2017. So think about this. Like we now know, like John Kerry, right? Who's Mr. Green Energy Guy. John Kerry is like, listen, we could, we should overlook China's human rights abuses right. so that we can get them to the table to right. agree to do anything. To make us batteries. To mitigate, to mitigate yeah. climate change, right? Yeah. Like we need them to do something. Right. Cause that, right now they're doing nothing. They don't actually have to do anything until 2050. But John Kerry's like, look, if they abuse some people, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> right. as long they can as make they, up for it. As they long can as they stop polluting, it. right? Yeah. So everyone, and, so and, everyone and, agrees that, that China's bad. But I'm saying yeah. in 2017, 
Podesta's thing wrote that they had, quote, grabbed the clean energy bull by the horns and embarked on a truly impressive shift away from dirty energy sources such as coal. You know who disagrees with that from 2017? Like everyone. Everyone says, no, that's not true. That's actually nowhere near what's happened. Yeah. Last year, China, for example, opened new coal fire plants. More coal power fire plants than the entire country of Australia has. They opened that in just one year. In fairness, Australia is pretty lit. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I mean it's it's a massive. Aust- I also didn't open any coal plants. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a it's a massive problem, and G has no interest. So, in in this weird way. China wins both ways. They get to keep building their fossil fuel plants and their their coal fire plants and whatever they want and, and proceeding in that way. At the same time, they are developing the technologies that they are selling to us, uh, whether it's wind turbines, whether it's EV uh, you know batteries for cars. Uh, they are the big winners here. And as you pointed out, Podesta has a history here. As the head of the Center for American Progress, he has spoken favorably about China. They also took money and worked with something called the China-United States Exchange Foundation, QCEF, which is what's known officially as a United Front Group, which is a which group. Which means what? It works with the Chinese Communist Party to advance the interests of the CCP. It's headed by a guy, a, a, a businessman from Hong Kong, uh, who's known to be a strong supporter of the CCP. Um, and they were doing exchanges with them and, and cooperating with them and didn't really about an eye about it. So, Let's talk about the numbers. We've talked about sort of the background of 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 Podesta, uh, what he wants to do. How much money are we talking to you? You you gave me some incredible figure that every day they have to spend how much money? So they have to spend. There's one program that has to spend up to thirty six million dollars a day just to be able to kind of meet the demands. Excuse me, thirty two million dollars per day uh, by the September 30th, 2026 deadline, which, you know, that's money. That's that's a lot of money. And here's the biggest problem with that. So this is all money that they've allocated. Uh, you said so. There's this program that oversees. So the investment in the green uh, grid stuff, right? This is under a Department of Energy program that literally has only existed a year ago. Like they just stood it up a year ago, and it now manages 25 billion in loans and investments. So that would be fine if they had also funded. Any level of oversight and accountability. Here's the bad news. They didn't. Uh, the, <laughs> the Department of Energy Inspector General's office like testified before Congress. Right. Because And that's one of the things that uh, sec- uh, House Oversight Committee Chairman Comer and the subcommittee chair Fallon, they're, like, they're, they're on this. And that's one of the reasons why we know about these things. But the IG's like, listen, other IG's offices, like they look down on me because they're getting paid. Our office has gotten a ton of money. But I mean, that is to say our agency has gotten a ton of money. We've gotten none of it. We get like, yeah. by far the least amount. So the, the agency we're giving the most amount to to hand out. We're also funding the oversight arm of it the least amount, which is why the inspector mm. general reports have warned that, quote, they've not been given adequate resources by this new spending to provide additional oversight that's necessary. Uh, critical areas such as research security, clean energy, grid deployment, scientific computing, Stockpile stewardship, environmental cleanup, and pit production to MFU will not receive appropriate oversight. So that's fine. I mean, it's not fine. There's no part of it that's fine. It's not fine. And I'm going to go a step further and say maybe it's because people like Podesta really don't want oversight. Well, guess what? Guess who else might not want oversight, right? Like, guess who else is sort of interested in um, money that goes to green technology that, you know, might end up in the hands of people that it didn't supposed to be in the hands of? China. I mean – 
So not just does John Podesta have this history with CAP and they've worked with CCP, which makes me wonder, instead of calling him China Charlie, should we call him Kami Carl? Like, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but John Podesta's brother, Tony, took a million dollars last year lobbying the Biden administration on behalf of Huawei, right? This huge conglomerate over there. So the Podestas in China are close. Long history. And so he's in charge of handing out this money. The agency that's in charge of like overseeing it doesn't have oversight capacity. China has a long history. Don't take our word for it. Take U.S. law enforcement's word for it of trying to steal our technology. Yeah. So it seems like a bad combo. Yeah, massively bad combo. And and we see who the winners are. Podesta is going to win uh, politically connected uh, investors in these green energy companies is going to win. Beijing is going to win. Who loses? America loses. And if you actually believe in the the the, the climate change uh, issue, um, the climate loses. I mean, that's what's interesting to me. I, I can understand why people like me that are you know somewhat cynical, I would say realistic. When you leave here, you're going to go burn some styrofoam in the parking lot. <laughs> this is what our, that's how we end every drill down. <laughs> but, you know, I, I have this this sort of skeptical view of government programs. But if you are an idealist who believes that climate change is urgent and, you know, like AOC or, or whoever, we've got 10 years and it's over. Why are you messing around with this stuff? Why are you, you know, glad handing the Chinese when they're opening coal fire plants and doing all this other stuff? So we th- that's who the losers are. The problem is there's no accountability. And this administration is more interested in doling out cash to their friends than they are in tackling a problem that they see as this existential crisis we have to fix right away. And to me, that's the problem with not having actual scientists in charge. Yeah. Right. Because like if if a hammer hits a nail, a politically connected operator connects with his politically connected friends and gets his wings and get. (laughs) And this is John Podesta's business model, right? Like he has worked for think tanks that's taken money in from from Tom Steyer, that's taken money in from these investment firms. And now he's in a position to repay the favor, which, oh, by the way, is why these investment firms invested in his thing in the first place. Exactly right. So like this is like, no, this was always going to happen. This is just like the next chapter in the book that's been written. And so uh, this is just like how business gets done in Washington. But it is, it's just funny to think, to take, take a step back and like, hey, Ukraine, do we like the idea of helping uh, the Ukrainian people and fighting Putin and all that stuff? Sure. Uh, if we had any evidence to suggest it wasn't just a giant cash grab for all the special interests that are connected in Washington, D.C., including the defense contractors and now the businesses that the former Department of Congress secretary is like, yeah, come on, invest here because we're going to take care of you guys. Right. And now the green energy stuff is exactly the same. They're throwing billions of dollars. I mean, this is my biggest problem with green energy investment today is we invest in things not because we have a genuine belief that the technology exists to do something about it, but because it, we like the idea of it. Right. It feels good. It feels good. So what's more important is the intentions, their intentions and feeling good than the actual results. So we're talking about real money. The Department of Energy budget last year, $45 billion. This year, it's going to be over $100 billion. And yet they tell us there's no place to cut. Uh, it's remarkable. We see who the winners are. We see who the losers are. The question is, what do you do with this information? And for the people listening to this podcast, care about these things. They're smart. They're informed and educated. And the thing we have to remind people of is don't get discouraged and angered and disgusted and just sort of walk away. Because if you do that, that's how this stuff continues to happen and how this stuff succeeds. So we don't want people 
absorbing this information, hearing this information, getting frustrated and angry and just disgusted and walking away from the process. Because if you do, guess what? The cronies now can even be more aggressive because there were fewer people watching, paying attention and caring what's happening. Yeah, so I think that's the key point of it. And I think that's where actually the Republicans in Congress are being smart is what they're highlighting is they're not attacking the science behind the idea of this investment. They're attacking the integrity and is the money actually going to go to where you think it's going to go? And you have literally everyone whose job it is to oversee this stuff say, look, we don't have the ability to do this. It's not going to be um, accountable. And so it's got, it's got a much higher propensity for waste, fraud and abuse. And then when you bring somebody like China, who, again, I mean, that to me is one of the biggest takeaways from your book, throw them all out. That that's where your 80% of -hmm. the money for green energy stuff under Obama went to Obama bundlers, right? That's that came from. But the second part of that, the depressing part of that here, you are trying to build people up. I'm just like, it's like, no guys, you should be dead inside. It's, (laughs) there is no happy ending here (laughs) unless you're China. Uh, because so we invest in all this like fledgling green energy technology. Yeah. And then what happened to it? Yep. It went bankrupt. Like they, it wasn't there because yep. the tech, because it wasn't a good idea. Yep. Yep. Like the actual science didn't exist. The business model wasn't viable once the government money went away. And then what happened? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm asking you. Yeah. You wrote the book. You got to tell yeah. them. No, no. It, 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 it didn't happen. The technologies, the companies went all bankrupt and China solidified their position. By the way, as you were talking, I had this image in my mind of, of people in the podcast audience, you know, people in, in Miami and Seattle and everywhere in between listening to this podcast and getting really depressed. And then I'm imagining a guy listening to this podcast in Beijing. He's happy. He's he's excited. He's like, bro, we are killing this. <laughs> we are killing this. We are doing awesome. We I'm are doing text great. John Podesta right now. Great job. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, here's the other I- irony, too, is we have heard for so long from Democrats on whatever subject, we are supposed to trust the experts, right? Trust the experts. And, of course, that's highly suspect because the people they claim are the, uh, the experts uh, is not necessarily the case. But in this particular case, they, the expert we are supposed to trust is John Potesta, who's a lawyer, who is a campaign official, who is a lobbyist, who was a lobbyist. His brother uh, is still a lobbyist. Um, and this guy does not have any background or technical expertise in this stuff whatsoever. Uh, and yet they're saying trust this guy because essentially he's the czar of green energy, right? There, there's, as you pointed out, there's no oversight. He's going to make these decisions. He doesn't have the background. It's an enormous problem. And I hope that Republicans, when this budget issue is solved, really drills down on the issue of the Department of Energy and tackles this because this needs to be exposed because it's not only wasting our taxpayer dollars, it is actually being used by this administration to fund their political backers. I mean, this is a just like the Department of Justice has been weaponized in a way against Biden's political opponents. You can argue the Department of Energy is being weaponized to fund the political supporters of this administration to the tune of billions of dollars. Well, I'll take it one degree further in oh. terms of the actual impact on American lifestyle. Uh, so, you know, we saw under COVID, I think, for the first time, how political ideology, it's not just like tax rates. It's not just, you know, can we recycle? Do not recycle. It's like, no, no, no. Can you leave your home? Can you send your kids to school? So like the way you live your life started to matter very differently based on the political class that was in charge of your geographic region. So the fact that we now at a federal level are actively incentivizing people to change their behavior mm-hmm. towards things like electric vehicles. We've already seen in California where they're going to outlaw the sale of non-electric vehicles, I think, within the next 12 years. 
Um, so that's like people's behavior. That's like now I have to, I can't just go to the gas station. I can't find a gas station because there's no incentive for them to have gas stations because now it's all this electric battery stuff. So now like the wait, I gotta wait 25 minutes to charge up my dang car, if not longer. Like, so I can't drive certain places without right. having these. I mean, so the way the, the amount of freedom, I'm actually Jordan Peterson, when we did our film, the creepy line, when we interviewed him. He made the point about a car is not just a car. It's a vehicle, like literally and figuratively for individual sovereignty and freedom. Yeah. And so our freedom, if we're now being told to get these things that have less capacity, right, is gonna get smaller. Yeah. So and the, if it's gonna get smaller because we think it's for the environment, that's one thing. If it's gonna get smaller because it's better for China and China's connected to people like right. Gavin Newsom and John Podesta, that's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's exactly right. And that's really what's at stake here. So that's what we would say, I guess, in closing to our audience is don't be discouraged by this. You should be angered, but it should compel you to act. And that means communicating with your political leaders, talking to friends, educating and informing people what is really going on, uh, because that's true. Once you move to EVs, the level of political control that office holders, policymakers have over your life increases exponentially. And if you are a plumber in California and you've got, you know, 16 people to see in one day and you got to stop and charge up because you're required to drive an EV, you're going to have to sit there and wait for 30 minutes and too bad. You don't have another say about it. And that's just one example of the implications that this is going to have us. What, what are your final thoughts? I'm going to illegally rig my car so that I'm not <laughs> never, never, never having to deal with an EV. <laughs> What 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 I think there's going to be a business for, by the way, is 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 people buying Teslas and hollowing out the batteries and putting actual internal combustion oh, engines in it and saying, no, 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 it's actually not an EV. Yeah, I think I think it's just I think it's a great concrete example for why people think, you know, I'm not one of those like have a bunch of food, get ready because, you know, like the, the wars are coming. But I do think it's a tangible example of the more government power has, the less freedom you have. Yeah. Well, you may not be one of those people, but I am. I, I know. <laughs> Which is why you have like all your burning styrofoam parties. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us on The Drill Down. We appreciate it always. We know your time is precious and valuable. Uh, you can find out more about the research we do and about this podcast at thedrilldown.com. And you can find the podcast wherever great podcasts can be located. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Until next time.